This is Dr. X.H. Balthazar. I am broadcasting once again to present my findings from the world of the uncanny. A week ago, I encountered a story in the back pages of a newspaper that immediately caught my attention. The headline read, Boy Spends Night in Tomb. It describes the following incident. One Saturday, in Fargo, North Dakota, a group of inebriated high schoolers decided to play a game of truth or dare. One unfortunate boy was dared to spend half an hour in the local cemetery, sitting next to a notable mausoleum. The rest of them waited outside, and when the boy did not return, they had assumed he had lost his nerve and fled home. However, when his parents realized that he had not returned the following morning, the police were called. The boy was found unconscious inside the mausoleum. It was assumed that he was so drunk that he had simply passed out, yet he was bruised in a most unusual way all over his body. Many of the contusions looked as if they had been made by violent blows. How could he have simply fallen down in such a way? More unusual still, the boy professed no recollection of that night. He could not explain why or how he had entered the tomb and had no memory of falling down or being struck. Could a solitary drunken teenager have found his way inside the mausoleum and beaten himself unconscious? Intrigued, I took the first available flight to Fargo. It is open flat country, covered in a patchwork of farms. The cemetery overlooks the Red River, which flows on the border with Minnesota. There, I met Frank Jansen, the groundskeeper of the cemetery. Frank led me to the tomb of one Thomas Stewart, who lived from 1865 to 1898. It is the biggest mausoleum by far in the cemetery, made of granite with an ornate metal door. Most memorable, however, is the statue of a weeping angel who sits on a pedestal outside the entrance. I asked Frank to tell me what he could about this tomb. This is what he had to say. I've been here for 30 years. Can you believe that? I started off as a grave digger, getting paid by the hour. I don't miss those days. See this soil here? It's nothing but rocks and pebbles. Digging it was like trying to crack a diamond with a toothpick. The worst was the graves for the poor folk who couldn't afford a proper funeral. Then we'd have to stick around while the priest did his thing, leaning on our shovels. My dad used to tell a joke. How many dead people are there in a cemetery? All of them. <laughs> Terrible, I know. But honestly... I feel half dead myself just walking around here with nobody to talk to. And the things you see. Once, after a big rainstorm, some of the oldest graves got so eroded that we had bones sticking out of the mud. Now that was disgusting. Oh man, and one time on the bridge over the river there, we found a man who'd hanged himself. I had to cut him down myself. 
God, what a sight. He was totally purple in the face. I'm rambling now. Let me tell you about this tomb here. When I first got here, I heard all sorts of legends about it. People said it was haunted, that if you looked through the peephole in the door, you'd go blind, or if you kissed the angel on the cheek, you'd have bad luck. You know, all sorts of silly stuff. I never believed a word of it, naturally. But listen, I'm not a superstitious man, and I tell you, at night you hear some strange noises around this tomb. Of course, we get coyotes and deer and all sorts of other critters in here. Still, sometimes I hear stuff I can't recognize or even explain. As for that kid, can't explain that neither, to be honest. The door of this mausoleum is always locked. I can promise you that. I have all the keys on this chain. And I check every week to make sure I didn't forget to lock any. Sometimes, you know, families come to visit and I open the mausoleum up. Nobody comes to visit this one. Not once in my 30 years here. So, how'd the kid get inside? <laughs> Door wasn't broken, I can tell you that much. It was open. I can't wrap my mind around that one. Naturally, Frank's testimony only deepened my interest in this mystery. So I immediately headed to the local library to see if I could find any relevant information. First, I looked up the man interred in the tomb, Thomas Stewart. He was a military man from a wealthy family who served as a general in the Spanish-American War. The story of his death, which I found in an archive newspaper, raised the hairs on the back of my neck. It reads in part as follows. General Stewart served with distinction, and shortly after his return home from the Spanish-American War, he was found murdered in his home. The confessed killer, now in custody, is none other than the late general's wife, Anne Augusta Stewart. Mr. Stewart was assailed while sitting in his bath, stabbed in the heart with his own bayonet. The assumed motive for this bloody crime is the baby that the general had brought back from his military campaign, the offspring of marital infidelity. This unfortunate infant was also found in the house, murdered with a kitchen knife. This story is chilling enough, yet it was this next story that made me absolutely determined to investigate it further. Two decades after the general's untimely end, and some years before Frank's time at the cemetery, another tragedy befell the town of Fargo. One summer night, a group of teenagers were horsing around in the cemetery. According to one witness quoted in the story, they were playing a game of hide-and-seek when one of their party, a girl who had just graduated high school, disappeared. When the girl did not answer to their calls, they assumed that she had gone home. And yet, in circumstances eerily similar to what occurred the previous week, the girl was found inside the tomb. Yet this time, the victim was dead. Similarly, the police assumed that she had tripped and fallen in. Yet according to the words of the original story, it cannot be determined why the mausoleum was left unlocked. 
or how a girl could have had such a violent fall in such a small space. With a bit of digging, I uncovered the identity of the victim, one Olivia Baker. In another hair-raising coincidence, Olivia turned out to be the niece of the very woman who had murdered the old general. It is as if the death had become cosmic revenge. Could the boy from last week also be related? As you can imagine, after these discoveries, I could not help investigating the matter myself. With Frank's permission, I decided to spend the midnight hours in the tomb with his assurance that he would not leave the cemetery while I remained. Of course, we left the door open and unlocked, and I sat in the corner of the mausoleum on the cold stone. I brought with me a small recording device, which I left on. At first, nothing out of the ordinary occurred. Crickets chirped, a mockingbird called in the distance, and cars whooshed by on the highway. Even so, I was filled with apprehension which makes it all the more mysterious that at some point, I fell asleep. I have no memory of feeling even the faintest sensations of exhaustion. Nor have I ever fallen asleep in the middle of my investigations before. I awoke some hours later, disoriented and confused. Thoroughly disappointed with myself, I got up to leave the tomb, but found, to my great distress that the door had been closed and locked. Through a small aperture in the door, I could see that it was now early morning and the dawn twilight was seeping into the otherwise black mausoleum. Somewhat panicked, I did the only thing I could, called out. There was no answer. Who knows how long I could have waited in that semi-darkness. I had spotted a man on an early morning run. He heard my cries for help and went to the cemetery office where Frank was found, fast asleep at his desk. The following is a recording of the moment he let me out of the tomb. How did you get yourself locked in? Are you okay? Yes, thank you. I assumed that you had accidentally locked it. Me? Absolutely not. Well, my friend... I certainly did not lock it myself. Jesus. <laughs> this thing really is haunted. Rather frustrated with my investigations, I decided to head home. During the flight, I played back my recording, hoping to find out how the door had shut. About one hour into the recording, this is what I heard. As you can hear, this does not shed any light on this mystery. Could wind have blown the heavy door shut? Could it have been mischievous adolescence, or even Frank himself playing a prank on me? None of these seem especially likely, and yet no other explanation is forthcoming. 
I have asked Frank to keep me informed of any other strange occurrences in the cemetery. Tune in next time. And for now, goodbye and good night.